Sometimes, the most memorable moments in history, the ones that reverberate through the ages, are precisely the ones you'd rather forget. I was so furious. You know, why do I have to do that? Yes, I was in Hiroshima, but I didn't start that war. As we approach the 75th anniversary of Hiroshima, we hear from one remarkable survivor who chooses to remember. Every day, think about all the people. I'm the lucky one lived through it. That means I have to use my life more meaningful way. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, lessons from Hiroshima. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima and destroyed its usefulness to the enemy. That bomb has more power than 20,000 tons of TNT. It was hailed by President Truman as a colossal success, a source of national pride and a triumph of scientific discovery. For many, it heralded a decisive end to the Second World War. If they do not now accept our terms, they may expect a rain of ruin from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth. It took months and years for the world to understand the true horrors that unfolded in Hiroshima. But for the people who were there, when the bomb hit, the devastation was inescapable. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is Coco Kondo. I'm one of the survivors we call Hibaksha. On the day of the bombing in 1945, Coco was just eight months old. She was the only baby in the neighbourhood to survive the bomb. 21 days after the New Mexico experiment, a B-29 was over Hiroshima carrying an atomic bomb. At 8.15 in the morning of August 6, Japanese time, the first atomic bomb struck an enemy target. Koko's father, Kaoshi Tanimoto, was a Methodist minister in Hiroshima, and that day changed everything. He spent the rest of his life helping a group of schoolgirls who'd been disfigured by the bomb and trying to tell the world about the horrendous reality of what had happened in Hiroshima. And yet, he struggled to tell his daughter. I knew I was able to live through it. 
but I didn't ask my parents direct question. Really? You never talked about it? Face to face, yes. They are talking to somebody else like a reporter. Then I learned or I read my father's, you know, paper or lectures. But when I was close to 40, my mother one day said, I have to tell you what's happened to us. That day, August 6, 1945, the air raid was off. So people started going out. And my father left early in the morning. That morning, one of the church members visited the house. And the house, just my mother and myself, she started talking to this lady and uh, she was holding me in her arm. Then suddenly, whole house crashed. She asked for help, but no one came. Finally, she realized she had to get out. She made the little hall and she put me out. Then she got out. When she was out, the environment was completely different from before. Fires all over the place. And even the fire just came into our house. So we barely made it. And I'm so thankful that mother was with me. Otherwise, no one can find me. How did she describe what she went through trying to get you out? What did she tell you about it? She didn't know what's happened. So she knew she had to get out, get out the house and she had to leave there because fire is all over the place. And of course, she's a minister's wife. First, she asked God for help. My father's church was located about 800 meters away from hypocenter. And the church parsonage where I was with my mother was 1.1 kilometer away from hypocenter. The house was crashed. We had to stay in the friend's house, the church member's house. Right after the you know disaster, my parents told me that I had a high fevers every day and blood, diarrhea, and no medicine, no doctor, nothing they can do. One of the medical student finally came and checked my body. He said to my parents, Reverend, I'm sorry to tell you this. I don't think this baby will go through it. But I was able to. Same way with my father, exactly same way, same my mother too. But we three were able to live through it. Though Coco has no memories of the day itself, she grew up in the rubble of Hiroshima, surrounded by living memorials to that fateful day. The church decided to make a simple house next to the church building. The church was, you know, the roof is gone, the window is gone, but the wall was still remained. Two or three years old, young girls, teenagers, high school girls came to church one by one. At first, I just couldn't see their faces. Some girls couldn't close their eyes. Some girls, the lips are all melted. But even as a child, I did not ask what's happened to your faces, what's happened to your body, because I knew that's not a nice thing to ask. One day, one of the girls found a nice comb and combed my hair. I just wanted to see the combs. I turned around. I saw the girls who were holding the comb. All the fingers were melted together. I was so shocked. But I could not ask, as I told you, but I was listening to the girls talking to each other. 
Then I learned there was a one bomb was dropped in Hiroshima City. That's why those girls disfigured it. Little Coco thought, all right, I am a good person. I'm the right person. So someday when I've grown up, I am going to do something. I'm going to revenge. So that was what I thought about it. But I don't want my parents to find out what I was thinking. Because if they found out, probably they would say, Coco, that's not the right way to think. So I put all those thinking deep in myself. But always I thought, someday, when I grow up, someday I'm going to do the revenge. In 1955, 10 years after the bombing, Coco almost got her revenge. Coco's father, who had studied in America, managed to take a group of young women who'd been disfigured by the bomb to the US for reconstructive surgery. 25 girls were chosen and went to United States, to New York. There's a hospital called Mount Sinai Hospital. They gave those girls a plastic surgery. And since that my father thought about that, so he escorted those girls to the United States. Next day, my mother received one telephone call from the United States. The person said to my mother, Mrs. Tanimoto, please come to the United States tomorrow, but don't tell anyone about this, and especially to your husband. So they invited my mother and Four of us. I have a you know a sibling. So all four of us went with my mother to the United States. Next day. I will never forget the May eleventh, nineteen fifty-five. I was ten years old, fifth grader. We were at the Hollywood in Los Angeles. It was a big auditorium. The TV show called This is Your Life. This is Your Life. They wanted to describe my father's life. When I went to this auditorium, at first, I did see the three persons. One man was my father's best friend from the Emory University Kendall School of Theology. My father educated there, of course, before the World War II started. Pastor of the Springfield Methodist Church, Springfield, New Jersey, Dr. Marvin Green. Oh, I know him. I felt, you know, happy to see him from the distance. Miss Bertha Starkey of Warrensville, Ohio. The next lady was standing as a missionary, whom I know too. But the third person, I never met that guy. So I asked my mother, who is that guy over there? She said, Coco, the person over there, his name is Captain Robert Lewis, who was a co-pilot of the NRA. I was so shocked because, as I told you, since I was a little girl, someday I wanted to, you know, revenge. But he's standing in front of me. I am not stupid girl. Run to you to give him a punch, a bite, or a kick. It was an unusual episode of This Is Your Life. In addition to old friends and colleagues, 
the producers had decided to spring another unexpected guest on Coco's father. Kayoshi Tanimoto, the man who had campaigned about the horrors he saw when he survived the bombing, was brought face to face with Captain Robert Lewis, one of the men who dropped the atomic bomb. Coco held back and looked on. Ralph Edward, the interviewer, asked Captain Lewis, how did you feel after you dropped the bomb? Captain Lewis said, We were notified that Hiroshima was clear. Therefore, Hiroshima became our target. Just before 8.15 a.m., Tokyo time, Tom Ferriby, a very able bombardier, carefully aimed at his target. 8.15, they dropped the bomb. They had to leave right away from Hiroshima because, you know, no one knows what's going to happen to the airplane. But they had a next order, go back to Hiroshima and see the result of whatever they drop. So B-29 and Oragay came back to Hiroshima. We turned back to see what had happened. And there in front of our eyes, the city of Hiroshima disappeared. He said he saw the Hiroshima, but Hiroshima was disappeared. Then he said, I wrote in my log. I wrote down later. My God, what have we done? My God, what have we done? As I thought I was staring at his eye, I did see the tear came down. When I saw that, I was so shocked. Until that moment, I thought, he is the monster. But the tear came down. He's a human being, just like me. I don't know anything about him. But I hated and hated and hated. While the adults are still talking to each other, I looked inside of myself. Boy, I didn't know that, but I have so many bad evil myself. Why I can just hate this other person? I was a bad girl. Sometimes I won't listen to my parents, you know. Or sometimes they told me not to fight with a brother. But I fighted. I said to the God, please forgive me that I hated this guy. But if I hate, I should hate the war itself, which we human beings made. As the programme drew to a close, 10-year-old Coco surprised everyone. I don't know why I did it, but I walked to him. I just wanted to touch his hand because I was really sorry that I didn't know. But I hated and hated and hated. But I learned from his tears. Yes, if I hate not these people, I should hate war itself, which we human beings boast. Of course, Captain Lewis felt that Elercogo's hand was touching his hand. He held my hand very tightly. That's the moment I changed. I'm so grateful that I did meet him. If even today, seven, five years passed, if I never had a chance to meet that man, I might still have a feeling of they're bad I'm the good one. But that's not right. In the years that followed, Coco tried to find Captain Lewis. Although he was the man who changed her life the day he dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, she says, remarkably, 
that she wanted to thank him. I regretted that when I was young, I wanted to see him to say the one word. Thank you, sir. It's because of you changed my hard feeling. But uh, when I saw that this small article said he passed away, first thing I thought about in Hiroshima, we have a peace park. In the middle of the peace park, we have a cenotaph. In the cenotaph, they have a stone box, big stone box. Inside the stone box has a notebook. In the notebook, each person who died from the atomic bomb were written in the notebook. And after the many of them died from the radiation sickness, were added. Inside of this box, the stone box, it's written in Japanese, rest in peace, we shall never repeat our mistake, our evil. Even today, if I have a chance to go to Hiroshima, to the peace park, I have to read that word. Because that word, I would like to give to Captain Lewis too. Sir, please, rest in peace. We, no, 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 I will never, ever repeat our mistakes. Having met Captain Lewis and knowing how he spent the rest of his life, did you feel that Hiroshima took a real toll on everybody involved? You know, obviously on the people of Hiroshima, but also on the people who were bombing it. That's why I wanted to revenge, because so many people, I think, you know, about 80% of the church members passed away. I heard so many stories by the survivors. So probably, you know, I'm more noticed than the, any other children because my father was working to help the survivor, many of them. So when I was a little, he was always out helping them. For example, 1946, he did go to the United States for the lecture tour. He didn't come home for... 15 months, and he did it twice or three times, same kind of trip. So he was always out telling the people what's happened to the Hiroshima city. Whilst Coco's father educated the world about the effects of the atomic bomb, he didn't talk about it directly to his daughter. She had to piece together his experiences of that day from his sermons and his interviews. It was... Uh thoroughly unexpected disaster which fell upon us, beyond our comprehension. That day, August 6th, he was away. He was on the mountain. I found that the house behind me was completely demolished. And I saw a few people coming out of debris here and there. I took one of them for the first aid station which was uh, primary school. There I saw so many injured people, and I began to wonder what happened. I went up to the hillside and took a panorama view of the city and found whole city on the fire. He was hit by the strong wind. He didn't know what's happened. He got up, he touched the body, everything okay. He just couldn't understand what's happened. He could see the whole city of Hiroshima. 
fires all over the place. Well, I didn't hear any sound, but I saw strange flash running through the air. And took a couple of steps into the garden and lied on the ground. And I felt strong blast of wind. And then I woke up and uh, got up and saw many houses behind me destroyed. First thing came up to his mind was, what's happened to my daughter? What's happened to my wife? What's happened to my church member? And what's happened to my neighbors? That's why he rushed down to the mountain and tried to go to the center of the city. He wanted to see the church. Many people asked for help, help, thousand, ten thousand. Just people are screaming for help. He said when he heard many people ask for help, he tried to help. But if somebody is caught under the house, he could not pull out the body. He had to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm sorry. He said, first thing, when I saw the city with fire all over the place, first thing came up to my mind was my family. That's a self-centered, egoistic thinking. And my daughter and my wife, three of us, were able to live through it. So those things, the resentment put him to the peace work. That's why he wanted to work for the survivor. I heard about that. Gee, thanks to my father, he thought about me. And because of that, he put all his life to the people of Hiroshima. When I heard that, I would like to walk the footstep of his life. So that's why today, whenever I have a chance, I give a talk about what's happened to Hiroshima. I could not do like he did, but whatever I could do, I just tell my story to the people. That's all I could do. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. 
When Coco was growing up, she had to have regular checkups by the US government's Atomic Bomb Casualty Commission, the ABCC, to monitor the effects of radiation on her body. When I was little, it was okay. But getting older, the fourth, fifth, sixth grader, and the junior high, I was kind of awkward to go up there because I have to take off my clothes and they will provide nice, you know, gown. And even I had to take off my underwear and they were quite very simple cloth tied in, you know, both sides, just like a bikini <laughs> swimming suit. Yeah. Then I had to go to room to room for the checkup. My seventh or eighth or ninth grader, I went through the examination and the doctor says, please go to such and such a room. I said, yes, I went there. It was an auditorium. The doctor told me, turn right, turn left. I was so furious. You know, why do I have to do that? Yes, I was in Hiroshima, but I didn't start at that wall. Why do I have to do this? I looked at the ceiling. And of course, I asked for the God for help. He didn't help me at all. Then I said, okay, I'm going to be away. I don't want to be staying in Hiroshima. And I went to Tokyo for high school and went to the United States for my colleges. But that day, I called the incident, I couldn't tell my parents that. Because since my father educated in the United States, probably he doesn't want to hear that. And same way with my mother. I couldn't tell my younger brother and sister about that. I just couldn't tell them. So I put deep inside on myself. But even that, terrible memory was something Coco grew to be grateful for. I don't want to think about that day. But later in my life, when I became an adult, I met many wonderful doctors through ABCC. And one of the doctors told me, right after the Chernobyl, we sent all the children's data to Chernobyl. But when I heard that, I feel like I thought I couldn't do anything for the, you know, other people. But at least my data were helping the children of Chernobyl. That really made me overcome from this hard feeling. It's the 75th anniversary. You're 75. Has Hiroshima shaped your entire life? Well, every day, think about all the people. I'm the lucky one lived through it. That means I have to use my life more meaningful way. Having lived your life with the shadow of Hiroshima hanging over you, how do you feel when you look around the world now and you see that more countries than ever have nuclear weapons, um, all the treaties that manage proliferation are being torn up. How do you feel about the state of the world? Well, it's too bad. <laughs> Whole world should sign it. Otherwise, if something happens, it's going to be the end of our world. But I don't want to give up. I have a still hope that we can do it. Looking west from zero point, the same complete leveling is evident. The same inability of structures to withstand atomic power. Just a tenth of a mile from zero point, the effect of the bomb blast can be seen on these stripped and broken trees. 
many people thought 70 years, probably no trees, nothing greens will live. But today's Hiroshima, beautiful city, many greens, the trees growing, even burned, but those trees were able to live. But we, the human, we couldn't abolish the nuclear weapon. Whenever I see the beautiful Hiroshima city, beautiful greens, human beings, can we learn? Maybe we cannot, we did not learn from our past history because we still have a nuclear weapon. I have to think over. That's why, for the sake of all the human beings, we have to, together, to abolish this in order to live peacefully. As a human being, our planet is beautiful. We don't want to destroy it. We have to live together. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the remarkable Coco Kondo, a Hiroshima survivor and a director of the Tanamoto Peace Foundation. There's more on the anniversary of Hiroshima in the Times newspaper, which you can read online or in print. We'd like to thank the Truman Presidential Library for some of the archive you heard in this episode. Special thanks to the Imperial War Museum for some of the archive you've heard in this episode. You can listen to more memories of Hiroshima through Voices of War at the IWM's website. The producers today were Edward Drummond and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. If you get a chance, please do leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and now on the Times Radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio in your app store. See you soon. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from the Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts.
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.